Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Improvise Till You Make It. I'm Blake. I'm Henry. And we're Henry, Henry and Blake. Blake. Ta-da! Yay! Improvise Till You Make It is a podcast all about the improv mindset. And on this podcast, we talk with other improvisers about how they use the improv mindset on stage and if and how they apply it to their day-to-day off stage to live brighter, fuller lives. Uh, and we use that conversation to spark wacky, zany, crazy, hilarious improv scenes made up on the spot. Exactly. That's what we do. And today we are visited by none other than, I had just realized, I'm not sure I know how to pronounce your last name, Jess Roman. That's good. Is that close? Well, it's actually from a German. I stole the name, okay. so it's Roman. Oh. Ah, so. But uh, you could, the American version would be Roman. Great. Well, we have with us today Jess Roman, everybody. <laughs> Yay. Hello. Yay. Welcome. Welcome. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here, especially on a Saturday. Very nice. And a sunny Saturday, nonetheless. It is a beautiful, beautiful day in Berlin, and we are in my room recording this podcast. Two hours of your time in October on a Saturday is precious. My so pleasure. Thank you so much. Better than being in the office, so thanks for having me. That <laughs> is for sure. I, I, hope you I hope this experience is better than being in the office. For yes. sure. Well, just tell us just a tiny, tiny bit about yourself. Uh, what is the office? Where Where is that? What do you do? Yeah, so I, I work at the hospital, the University Hospital here in Berlin, the Charité, okay. and I'm a researcher, mm-hmm. specifically an epidemiologist. Do either of you know what that is? No, I was going to ask. What do you think it is? Uh, that has to do with disease. Okay, very with good. With diseases, yeah? and I don't know, the origin of it? Is that not something that is Yeah, origin is from epidemic. So we, we originally, epidemiologists study outbreaks of disease, but also nowadays we look at all kinds of disease, also chronic diseases, and the risk factors that lead to those diseases. We're also uh. interested sometimes in predicting new disease cases and getting a better understanding of why things happen and what we can do to prevent it. Amazing. We try. Thanks for doing that. Do you have to have an <laughs> education to do that? Yes, yes. So you can actually study epidemiology. And what did you what did you study? I originally studied biochemistry, okay. and then I studied public health with a focus on epidemiology. Okay. And then I worked on uh, my PhD, just about to finish that, hopefully soon, oh. in epidemiology as oh. well. Oh, so the next time you're on the podcast, we'll have to introduce you as Dr. Jess. Holman. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. All right. Great. Cool. Well, Jess, well, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I have really enjoyed improvising with you uh, in comedy shorts. It's been a great pleasure. I was really happy that you wanted to be part of the show. Uh, and we wanted, we always like to get started by asking a question that can get our, get our listeners just a bit more to the core of our guests. Uh, so we wanted to ask you, what are some things that get you out of bed in the morning? Given that this is a Saturday and you had to wake up and come here, how is it that you motivate yourself to get up and get going in the morning? What are those things? Okay, great question. So coffee. I have to say, just thinking about the coffee gets me up. Yeah. And then actually making the mm. coffee. I, you know, if somebody makes it for me, that's even better. <laughs> is, it, is, uh, it a, is it a food you have when you wake up or is it a food you have also before going to bed? Like at night, it's midnight, you get in bed, you're like, hmm, tomorrow coffee. I think about it even at night sometimes. I love coffee. I really love coffee. And throughout the day, um, but that's what gets me up. But what really gets me going is uh, something that I have. Maybe it's teaching. I really love teaching. Um, I teach master students at the hospital. So that really gets me going. Or some cool research project. Just want to get back in there. Get at it. Some days I'm less motivated. And then I think about maybe something I'll do that evening. Something fun. Or um, 
yeah, sometimes my partner just pushes me out of bed and then you just get up anyway. So one of those ways. One of those many things. So yeah. if all else fails, you've got a person in the bed who's like, this is a day where you must get out of the bed, get up, get moving. You're like, all right, fine. <laughs> no, I exactly. I think you mentioned, Blake, on another podcast, you're not a morning person or you don't want to talk to people in the yeah. morning. And that's how I am, too. Okay. And I have a lot of friends and close family who love mornings. And they're like, good morning. Have a wonderful day. Yeah. And that just yeah. pisses me off. So, um, you know, I try to change that mindset, try to yeah. Yeah. try to go in there and be open to it but some mornings it, it's it's crazy how how that happens like the joy of others in the morning it really grates and i and i feel like such a scrooge like such yes. an old miser when i'm like kind of waking up and trying to quietly get started like i've dated um people in the past who were extreme morning people just the instant their eyes open they are just on fire and cannot wait to get the day started they don't have they have no need for like time to get to like start the day yes and, and you want to turn into a solar panel and just soak that up but it doesn't work you're like reflecting it back at them <laughs> it's true uh, you want to soak it up but yeah you, but instead it's just stop being happy right now it's very difficult for me <laughs> uh. that depends on the context when i was younger my little sister and i were waking up at the same time to go to school and i was building i was going to a point where during my um, now it's much better but when i was a teenager i could not wake up and i was building with the cereal boxes a fort around me <laughs> at the table eating because <laughs> i could not see people don't even. look at me yes i was like i can't no. eat my cornflakes <laughs> pressure exactly <laughs> ah, terrible. Uh, well we are gonna dive right into this jess once again thank you so much for being here we're so excited to have you today we're going to be talking about value number eight from henry and blake's improv manifesto uh, focus on relationships. Take it away, Henry. So focus on relationships. Put people first. Nothing matters more than the people around us and the connections we share. And finally, seek to learn and grow from the involvement and input of others. I love that. Well, you chose this topic, as a matter <laughs> no, of fact. I gave I you several topics to choose from. You chose this one. Why? What, what made you want to choose this topic, Jess? Well, relationships, I think, drive absolutely everything that we do. Um, both in our personal lives, in our in our friendships, of course, and in actually our work settings. And I've become more and more aware of this, I would say, in the past year. Mm -hmm. Also in the networking. I'm really involved in a lot of networking. I um, manage a lot of our international partnerships at work. And I've brought some of the experiences that I've had from work onto the stage and vice versa, from the stage okay. into work. Yeah. So I thought this is something that um, I feel comfortable, really comfortable talking about, thinking about, and has helped me grow as a person, as an improviser, and I guess as an employee or as a, yeah. as a researcher. I just realized we haven't talked at all about your uh, your relation to improv. Can you just yeah. quickly, before we get into the thick of it, yeah, can you tell us a little you. bit about your relationship with improv, where it started, what you're, how you're involved in it? Sure. So um, actually, when I was in middle school, um, we had a small group where we did some theater sports at uh, after school and okay. I, I really enjoyed it as a kid and in high school one of our art teachers at our high school um, played in comedy sh uh, sports in Milwaukee okay and so I had that exposure to that short form improv early on and I always found it a really great outlet I'm kind of a math science nerd um, but I needed that outlet to kind of practice that creative side I really craved it and that's what was super fun for me all the time so also through college dabbled here and there on the stage, nothing super formal, super professional. But when I got into Berlin, I realized that that little hole inside me was was empty and I, I was missing it. And I luckily found uh, Brian, who you had on the podcast, I think 
the second or third yeah, podcast. That's right. Yeah, Brian Capel. Brian Capel, yes. and uh, he had tryouts for the comedy uh, sports team at that time in yes. Berlin. And I tried out actually with Matilda at the same time. She oh, okay. was also uh, on the podcast. Matilda Kaiser was also um, on the podcast. So these, this right. Berlin circle is uh, pretty tightly knit. And yeah, from there, joined the team and have been having fun ever since. So I've been here about seven years now yeah. in Berlin and have been doing improv for about four, I would say. Okay. So can you tell us a bit about what does focus on relationships, what does that mean on an improv stage? What are we talking about? Yeah, here? so so when I get on the stage or when we get on the stage, the first thing I'm trying to figure out mm. is who is this person? Who are they to okay. me? How yeah. do I know them? How do we know each other? Um, and I try to find that that common ground. Where do we go back? What, the, what, is, what is our history? Because that usually brings out the most interesting aspects of the scenes. Um, of course, all of the components you've talked about on this podcast already are hugely important. Yes. Um, but I would say the relationship is that core that's going to drive how things go forward. Because how you know that person influences how you interact, how you talk to each other, how you maybe even relate to each other on a level that the audience doesn't understand yet and maybe you don't even understand yes, yet. you're unraveling Yeah, that you, you're unraveling it, discovering it as you go along and I think that that's the, the heart of the scene is the relationship. How does that play out, for example, in, a, in an improv scene where you're focusing on a relationship? What else would you be focusing on? Yeah, so I guess it can ground you in a way so you know that you know this person. You don't know anything else, perhaps, at the beginning of the scene. You know that you know this person. You have some suggestion from the audience. Yeah. But that's it. And you now try to establish, okay, where are we going? Who are we? Where are we going? How do we know each other? And that drives the rest forward. So it, of course, links with all those elements. I think trust is a big one because trust comes from relationships or maybe lack of trust, mm. maybe fear, like you talked about in that first podcast. Those are all elements that I think... Um, come along with the relationship and you can develop right away. So yes. that's always that thing to fall back on. How do I know this person? What have we been through? Um, and what are some of the challenges on an improv stage to focusing on a relationship? Or are there challenges? Is there Are there things that get in the way of mm. finding that, that core of focusing on a relationship? Definitely. So I think we are challenged because many of our interactions as we go through the day are with people that we don't know well. They're kind of these mm. transaction type of things. You know, this guy is going to scan my card or this, this person is going to check me out at the grocery store. Yeah. And those scenes on stage are not funny. Because you don't know that person. Or you have to find the way then that you know that person to uh, uncover that way, the commonality between the two of you to find that funny. So maybe it's the cashier that you see every single week and in, in, it turns out that you actually know each other's spouses and pictures of the grandkids and what you do on the weekend. Yeah. So if you find that relationship, the audience suddenly sees, wow, I, I can relate to these people. These people have something, have something more than just passers-by yeah um so i think that that's the challenge is to fall into an either an undefined or maybe an uninteresting relationship mm. um that can really weaken a scene doesn't have to i've seen some really great scenes where the people don't have much of a relationship yes. and they develop one mm -hmm. um, sort of like in in front of your eyes their, exactly. uh, their relationships begins and unfolds and that's cool too yeah. because i think we all experience that we all experience that initial maybe fear when we meet someone new or lack of trust and then yes. if we see that develop on stage that's a real treat as well mm. so uh, you, what you said really sparked a new question in my head and it's something that uh, I would I, I maybe I've never thought enough about 
why you, you said like if, if you do, if they don't know each other then there's it's not funny these transactional moments and it's true if you've ever seen an improv scene where someone's like hello what can i get you i'd like a coffee great that'll be 550 and then everyone in the audience is kind of waiting they're like uh, and you can see the improvisers like what do we do now so it's true that the transaction is not very interesting and i'm i wonder what is it then innate in the relationship between the two people on stage or the people on stage what is it why is the funny there why is the comedic element innate in that relationship what's happening yeah i i think there's something then that has to do with the relatability i mean of course everyone's gone to the store and they've bought something so they know how that goes yeah they can relate but the intimate relationship side when you meet a, a couple, let's say, or you meet two friends or you meet a brother and a sister for the first time, the interesting part that comes out is what experiences they've shared or what they have in common, how they complement each other. Mm. You won't see that from that very typical, you know, we know what we're, we're going to get kind of a transaction scene that you, you get in that more intimate relationship yeah. moment. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a richer... It's, it's a richer range of emotions, of tiny little details who are going to be interesting to watch. Uh, it, it's, it's almost like politeness, which is the basic like uh, a mode that you're on when you meet someone that you don't know. It's always the same. You know exactly how you're going to interact with that person. You're going to put a smile on your face. You're going to say, hi, how are you? Good, great. You always think super surface level, or at least it's very expected, I found, when you have like when you don't know someone. Uh, but when you know someone, you, you see little quirky, tiny, intentions emotions that any little stuff that you can pick up on who are rich richer yeah i think you're absolutely right and and finding that foundation um, is something that's so important in a scene that you can build on and if you have that foundation already through this relationship you can build something exciting a lot easier mm. yeah definitely um so you said specifically that you wanted to speak about this subject. And so now that we've kind of laid a little foundation of what it means on an improv stage and how we kind of use focusing on relationships to bring the juice out of the interactions that we're having. Uh, yeah, what is it that you, because you said that you use this in your life as well. You've brought this into your, into your life. So I'd love to just hear a bit about your experience and, and how you bring this idea of focusing on relationships into the real world and to what effect. Wonderful. Okay, yeah. Well, I'm happy to give it a try. So... I would say in, in science, in the world of science, we have a lot of really interesting relationships. So not just the classic um, boss and employee side. We have a lot of more flat hierarchies. There's a lot of forced collaboration, okay. um, but also willing collaboration because there's it's very difficult to go it alone. So you need to find a core team. You need to find people you're interested in working with. Um, now through actually social media, a lot of scientists are really active on Twitter. I've also found people people there that I want to work with, that I want to publish with. So building these relationships on more of an informal level has mm -hmm. been really valuable for yeah. my research and for my science. And this is something um, that uh, I think I also bring with me onto the stage, that I'm able to create interesting relationships that maybe people weren't expecting. So mm. not the classic brother and sister, but this is somebody, um, you know, who I met from across the world and we have this, this common ground and finding that common ground quickly um, keeps things interesting. I would also say another, another weird relationship we have in science um, is that we peer review each other's work. So if what we submit, yeah. So if we submit a paper, um, the journal will contact 
people that are close to our field, so people we most certainly know or at least have heard of, to read our paper. And the idea is it's a sort of quality control that will have maybe two or three reviewers that critically review our paper and basically decide help decide is it good enough. So the editor also ultimately makes that decision, but the individual reviewers give you that scientific critique. Okay. Um, and that's, that's interesting mostly because in, in most cases it's anonymous. So these are people that you know who are anonymously giving you feedback on the quality of your work. Have you, have, I'm sorry, have you ever started like a, like a beautiful mind type map on the wall of like, okay, who peer reviewed this paper? <laughs> who gave me this comment? I'm going to figure out who they are like you know CSI peer review oh we CSI and you can you can very often figure it out if they say oh have you seen this work by this author and it's usually them okay um so they try to kind of name drop sometimes to get their own work noticed which is I mean sometimes totally warranted sometimes just because they want to get their name also cited in your paper um, but that's that's a weird relationship because they know what you're publishing. You don't necessarily know who reviewed you. Right. Um, and they ultimately have a say in deciding whether or not this research will be published in this paper. Wow. So you've really got to focus on relationships. Like you got to make sure that people want you to get your stuff published. Right. So that well, is there a lot of like massaging of these relationships because you don't know who's going to be the one to review your paper. So you just need to be on good terms with a lot of people. It sounds like. Well, and you can see where the abuse can come in the system. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's very prone to that. And the scientific process is hampered if we have these kind of this cronyism where we say, okay, you know my paper, you know me, so hey, push this through. That that would break science. Yeah, so right. how do we avoid that? Um, they try to find reviewers that don't work with you directly. Of course, if you are well-networked and it's a small field, people know each other. So um, there has been a movement towards open peer review where that is made public. Okay. Sometimes even the review is published, so someone can read what I wrote about another scientist. That leads to more transparency. I think it's a good thing. Uh, On the other hand hmm. maybe you're less open with your criticism right. if that person knows it's you yeah there is accountability i mean yeah if you give a review and you know people are are knowing that it's from you yeah you need to be more careful yeah it's it's very it's very interesting it's like politic invited invited itself to science yes <laughs> i'm exactly. sure i'm sure it's very political definitely and i think maybe one thing that's even more political is the grant application process so scientists we have to get our own money uh, to do our research. So in that, the end, you're sounds... writing grants all the time, just like just like improvisers. You're, yeah. you know, you're pitching your show. You're trying to get a spot. You're getting people to come. We're doing that too. We're, we're trying to you know, convince the public funders, maybe private funders, that our research is meaningful. So you write a number of grants and you see basically which one pans out. And the funder ultimately decides that. And maybe the funder doesn't have a lot of background in what you're doing. So it's really interesting who actually decides the direction of research in a field may not be the people who know the most about it that sounds that sounds like a great setup <laughs> <laughs> i think I, so too we can we can do a whole <laughs> podcast on science and there are a lot of really great ones about with a very critical view on this yeah but i guess the point that i wanted to tie into the relationship side yeah. is that it's complicated i mean as complicated as our relationships are in our personal lives in science, these relationships are super complex because you do have a hierarchy. People who publish more, who are well known in the field, do carry this um, this torch, let's say, of the field.
field. And if you're a little tiny postdoc or PhD student and you don't agree with that person, of course there's a power imbalance. And those power imbalances make the discussion in the field interesting. They certainly make discussions in improv scenes in yeah. interesting. Mm. Um, and how you then find common ground with that person, how you approach it, I think is what, what makes things uh, fun, at least on the stage. And well... Usually fun, sometimes painful in, in the work environment. We cut to a laboratory somewhere at a university. Uh, it is a clinical room. It's very white. There's a lot of fluorescent lights. Uh, everything is super clean and spotless. Uh, everything is very organized and very put together, very neat, except for on one wall where two scientists stand staring in awe. Uh, yeah, so this is um, why I called you in here, uh, Dr. Roman. Um, as you can see, we have another one, uh, a CSI web on this wall. Someone is trying to figure out who's peer reviewing them. Oh no, again? It's the third one we found this week. There's a real epidemic happening in the scientific community. Oh man, okay, well, you know, you know what this calls for. I was hoping it wouldn't come to that. No, no, we need to, we need to uh, block off the area. Okay. We need to identify all of the important researchers in this field. Um, we need to keep them quiet because science, as we know of it, is at stake. It is at stake, and that's why I knew you were the, you were the person for this job, Dr. Roman. You're so capable. You're so calm. I just, have I told you how much I admire your, your leadership ability? Oh, oh, well, thanks for that. I mean, we, we so rarely get these kind of compliments. And uh, by the way, if you, if you do have some extra money to spare, I could use it for my new project. Uh, Maybe this isn't the time. I, I got to be honest. No, no, I'm sure I can find... Here, hang on one sec. Here, I've got... Uh, yeah, here's five euro. Uh, <laughs> is that what you meant? Five euros? Is this a joke? Dr. Roman, I, I'm just a postdoc. I... Yeah, but I mean, we've known each other. You know how important this research is for, for our community, for, for, our, for our lab. It is so important, the research that we're doing. You're right. Uh, well, hang on, hang on. Let me reach my pockets here. Um, okay, I got uh, some lint, a button. I don't know why I have a button in my pocket. Uh, chewing gum. Chewing gum? No, you know, okay. You know what, uh, Matthew? I just I appreciate that you're doing this for the cause. So anything you've got, uh, we'll take it. We've, we've got to stick together on well, this. Well, here's a button. and Okay. Um, okay, well, I was saving this for a rainy day, but um, I have a jar of coins on my desk. Oh, well, desperate ca times call for desperate measures, so thank anything you. For, thank any, you. Anything for the cause, Dr. Roman. We'll invest it in my expensive trip to China. Oh, for the conference, of for, course. For the conference, of, of course. course. Yeah, yeah, the, the very important conference that you have next month. Um, Dr. Robin. Oh, Clyde. Yes. Um, what is it? I finished my research. I found the persons who are trying to find out who is reviewing the papers. <gasps> uh, Dr. Dr. Zelensky, uh, thank you for, for doing that. But before we get off... On, on that whole rabbit hole, because that's a whole thing. Do you happen to have any spare change for the cause? Matthew, you are involved. Dr. Selinsky, that is a, I, an incredible accusation, and I feel like um, that is just, I feel like it's unwarranted. I found a couple of your coins right in the office of Dr. Roman. 
Okay, you know what? I think we need to we need to end this conversation because we as a lab, we need to stick together. Yeah. If you're going to uncover some strange coins in my office, Clyde, you should uh, talk to me about this privately because our reputation is on the line. Yeah, Dr. Zelensky, I mean, our reputation is on the line. You're coming in here throwing all kinds of accusations and all we want to know is, do you have the cash? We need the cash for the cause. Well, listen, I also... Empty my account. I have ten thousand euros. And you pass that to the cause? You're gonna yes. you're gonna transfer it. Of course. Okay, we can trust you, Clyde. I thought I thought we could trust you. Can you just money beam that right now? Trust is so important for me, guys, you know it. That's why I'm also going for that investigation. But here first. <laughs> the money. Okay. Wow. I thought you were gonna bank transfer, but coins are good. It's it's better. 10,000 euro in cold hard cash right on the table. I don't know why you had to bring so many 2 euro coins, but we'll we'll make it work. It's going to be heavy to carry heavy, carry yeah. all the way to the all, all, all the way to the bank. It's been took me a lot of time. Well, thanks for your commitment Clyde to this group. I mean, we we've always relied on you for every lab group potluck, um, for every investigation of the peer reviewers, you've you've been an asset. So, thank you. I really appreciate it, Dr. Roman. I wanted to uh, turn your attention to uh, the bake sale next week, which we've organized uh, mm-hmm. to fund your uh, trip to, uh, to help fund your trip to China. Yes, thank uh, you. Now I'm baking rice crispy squares, which are my uh, famous <laughs> rice crispy square recipe. Delicious. Uh, and I'm thinking charging thirty euro a rice crispy square. I think it's for the cause. It's for the cause. I think people will understand that it's for the cause. Thank right? you, Matthew. You are a diligent postdoc. <laughs> you know, it's all I care about is just furthering the cause, and I mean, it's really. I gotta be honest, getting baking all these rice krispie treats is really getting in the way of my science. But oh wow! I mean, science—it's about money first, right? You got money get- first. Yes. Well, you know, you you're studying chemistry, right? So you'll learn about the cohesion of the rice krispie particles to each other via the marshmallow. That's that has some very dynamic properties. That's has, important. I love how you can always bring it back to science, Doctor Roman. Your leadership—it just uh, once again gets us right back on track. I appreciate that you call me Dr. Roman also because it it shows that I have power over you. Yeah, well, we all know you do uh, (laughs) and uh, you make that very clear. And um, frankly, I like it, you know. I I, I think it's important to know where the power lies, especially in science. We need to know who's the top top dog, who's, who's, you know, who's calling the shots. That's the reason I'm named Clouds. Clyde, just Clyde. Clyde, yeah, yeah, I only not, refer to you as, as yeah. by your first names, even though you have your doctorate since 10 years, at least, Clyde, and Matthew, years. three years. So, mm-hmm. um, you know what, though? I think, I think you're both ready. I've been training you all these years. You're ready to hear the big announcement. <gasps> really? Go ahead. Well, what is it? Well, I just said you're ready. Oh, I didn't oh. say that I was going to tell you, but you're ready. Oh, oh that's the announcement. Oh, I love it when you do this, when you, right. when you withhold information from us as, as, a, mo- as a power move. Exactly. It reminds me immediately of, of my status in this, in this Matthew, lab. Matthew, you are learning so well. Yeah. Oh. You are learning so well. That makes me feel much better that I sold my house. Clyde, that, that investment, science thanks you. The field of science. The entire field. Can you just remind us again what that conference in China is about? Because yes. I, I have, I was looking on Google and I couldn't find any conferences in the Xinjiang territories. Yes. So, so this conference is top secret, uh, classified. Oh. oh. Um, but we are talking about principles and ethics in science. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So promoting Great. good ethics and uh, yeah. So if you could also transfer me about two thousand uh, to go to that conference, that would be great. Um, my kids I, are going to be so happy when they're going to learn that 
you told me I'm ready. Like, I mean, we're, I'm going to go back to the bridge where we have a tent now. And uh, yeah, that feels good to feel that I'm ready and you're going to China. That's, I'm happy. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit, I mean, about maybe just an Excel sheet with your expenses, I think would maybe be ethical. Yeah, you know, uh, we're always talking about ethics and transparency, but I want to talk about trust, Matthew. Oh. I want to talk about trust. You trust me. I trust you. I you do know, trust if you get you. a burger, I'm not going to ask you what's on the burger. I trust that you know what makes a good burger. Wait, is that a Rolex? Uh, no. Dr. Roman, no. is that a Rolex? No, no. Um, this is uh, this is just a knockoff. Let me see that. Give it here. <gasps> Dr. Roman, that is a Rolex. These are $25,000. Dr. Zelensky has sold his house. His kids are living in a bridge, under a bridge in a tent. I just gave you my rainy day piggy bank. Now you are going to have to come up with a scientific explanation for why this is an ethical purchase. Okay, both of you, both of you. Now is the time to tell you. you you're right, Matthew, and your investigative genius has, has come out again. You're right. So you see this wall where we've made this mind map of who could be the peer reviewer. Yeah. Yes. This Rolex I have specially designed to, and as I hold it up to the wall, it will point to the reviewer in our field. Brilliant. So that we know who is really holding the cards. But Dr. Roman, that was, that's what I've been investigating for the past two weeks. I, is that really necessary then? Well, it seems like you could have saved yourself two weeks by just getting a Rolex. This is the point. This is why money and science wow. is important. This is why. What a lesson. If you have Dr. Rolex, Roman. What a lesson. You can know all. And see. My all kids right. are going to be so happy. <laughs> we are Henry and Blake, and we're on a mission to empower everyone to become active life improvisers so that together we can build a world in which everyone is excited to play their parts. We use improv as a context for teaching soft skills, hard skills, and everything in between. So if you're curious about how the improv mindset can help you and your team trust more openly, collaborate more effectively, or just get together, blow off some steam, and have a good time, check out our workshops and get in touch with us through our website at henryandblake.com. And if you want to do some improv, check out our meetup page, Improvise Till You Make It. We organize regular drop-in sessions where a bunch of people get together for a few hours to play improv games and have loads of fun. It's open to all improv experience levels, and we usually go for a drink and hang out after. And if you want to see some improv, you can check out our improv team, Skeleton Brains, on a stage near you. We play live English improv shows all across Berlin and further afield, so if you want to find out where you can see us next, check out our Facebook page or our Instagram page at Skeleton Brains. Happy, Happy improvising, improvising and, and see you soon. soon. I think uh, everyone in science is going to hate me now. I promise yeah. we're not that corrupt. You I sure promise. Shut yourself in the food. Oh, no. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Um, you, you have a team of, of people that you work with directly. And how do you bring this idea of focusing on relationships to the people that you work with directly? So beyond the networking, beyond the, the Twitter sphere, the peer reviewing, how do you bring this into your life on a regular basis? Yeah, um, so I would say that my team that I work with closely at the Charité is really interdisciplinary. So we, it might not sound so interdisciplinary, but we have a statistician. Okay. Epidemiologists do, they use statistics, but we're not, let's say, the statistical experts. So we have a statistician. We have a lot of medical doctors that are involved. We have some basic scientists in, in our group or that we're working closely with. We have a scientist who's focused on gender aspects in medicine. So everyone brings these pieces to the puzzle and we really see ourselves as one unit 
Um, of course, sometimes that's that's difficult because we don't all sit in the same office space. Yeah. Um, but when we are working on a project, you you feel this this tight bond. Everyone is working towards this common goal. They have something else to bring to the table, and uh, hopefully, in the end, the process goes smoothly and things work out, and you get the grant money, you get all the big publications, and uh, you're there. But of course, that's not reality. So you have all these failures and uh, along the way, and you have then this group also there as your support system so they really mm -hmm. become your work family mm -hmm. and I would say compared to other jobs that I've worked with or uh, worked in or have observed the research community the family you build it's it's very it's very close it's very intimate it's very personal you share a lot of these ups and downs um, I, I feel comfortable crying at work when things don't work out um, <laughs> right. feel comfortable getting angry and throwing something across the room mm -hmm. that maybe wouldn't be professional in other settings because you do buckle down with this team you stay there till midnight writing the grants getting things done and you have this this level of understanding and uh, support that maybe you wouldn't see in other settings okay how can a focus on relationships impact the goals or of the or the objectives of people working together yeah so so I think maybe the best way to explain that or to talk about it is to think about when a relationship goes sour okay. how that how that negatively can impact and then we go to the positive great let's if do that's that. okay so yeah. if you have a, a sour relationship that will basically stop you right in your tracks so mm. in my case if I need help on some of my statistical code and I'm not communicating well or uh, understanding well with the person who can do that I'm stuck yeah of course I can try to go it on my own but I will never finish the project in time. So as soon as you have a relationship breakdown in some way or some hurdle in the communication, the project can be completely stopped. So having a good relationship, knowing, okay, this is the person I can talk to for this problem. This person can help me here. This person can just provide me good moral support. This person can give me a good edit. Um, having that, that team and knowing what's open to you opens a lot of doors yeah. and actually opens up your ideas in the creative process because just through those conversations you have at the water cooler mm. um, or you have over coffee, uh, you can be inspired. And actually, a lot of the projects that I'm pursuing right now were just based on casual conversations also after work. So okay. we're friends outside of work. Um, I mean, of course, at some point you want to see other people than the yeah, people yeah. you work with. But having that, that informal uh, getting to know each other part that happens over pizza, after work, over a drink, something like that, that's so critical to the research process and I think we often overlook it and can you can you go a little deeper into that it's really interesting you say it's so critical to the research process like make a can you make a super clear tie for someone who doesn't understand the research process how yeah. does having pizza with a colleague result in better research yeah okay so so if I'm if I'm thinking about a problem I, I know something in my field and I, I want to attack it I want to I want to find something uh, to help solve that problem and I mm -hmm. let's say I have about I have a good idea of where to start, but I'm kind of stuck in my thinking. And then you talk to someone over pizza and you just kind of informally mention, you know, I'm, I'm roughly looking at this question. I have this interest. I do migraine research. So I'm looking at um, some relationship between migraine and a cardiovascular outcome later in life. Yeah. And this person says, you know what? Have you ever thought about doing this? 
we did this in another study, I've done this before, have you ever thought about using this type of analysis to look at that question? Mm-hmm. And I said, wow, no, I, I never thought about that. And and then, you know, you, you schedule a meeting for a few days later and you actually hash it out. Um, or they know someone through their relationship network, that's where that becomes so important, that they can refer you to and say, hey, mm-hmm. why don't you talk to this guy? He might have an idea. And uh, a really concrete example, we recently talked to someone who's based in the U.S. who works in a lab setting. And I work on a computer, so I don't have anything to do with mice. He works with mice. And he was looking at causal structures. So what causes what? He was really interested in how do these causes play together in an animal? And I do that in people. And he had never thought about that really in in his setting, but it's something that I use all the time. And so as he was telling me about his research, I said, look, we have a structure for this. It's called a directed acyclic graph. So this is something we use, you know, DAG. It's called DAG. DAGs are fun. Um, We draw DAGs for everything. And I said, look, what what you're talking about, we can draw in a DAG. And so I was able to use a tool from my field to something that's quite far away, I guess, from what I usually work on. Mm -hmm. And he was able to benefit from my knowledge to ultimately set up a model based on what I do. Mm -hmm. And uh, we wouldn't have had that if we didn't have this informal discussion that was started at a conference, let's say. Okay, so it's sort of like by spending time together and focusing on the re- the relationship as in let's just get to know each other. Let's 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 like remove science from the question or rather let's yeah. remove work objectives from the question. Let's just enjoy some time together. Uh, then you you sort of have this new ideas come up or connections are made like ideas are connected that wouldn't otherwise maybe have come up in a more sort of professional strict setting where there's like, you know, rules and hierarchies or things things to distract you like absolutely like objectives and goals and that sort of thing absolutely the okay. structure i think really limits us yeah. and it's unfortunate because the analytical side of me wants a structure and a lot of the people that i work with they they're trained you know they read a lot of books we read articles there are so many articles you can't even read them anymore to stay up to date and that kind of puts you in a box and as soon as you remove yourself from that box that's where the creative energy starts mm-hmm. and actually that pushes that very scientific structured process forward. A lot of people will tell you they had their big breakthrough when they were walking in a park with some friends, when they were talking, even seeing a a show, they got some uh, inspiration, watching watching a movie. Um, These things that you wouldn't normally associate with anything that we do inspire us all the time. Yeah. I'm sure that as an improviser, that that must be really interesting that you bring the creative process in a very human way. Uh, art form that is that that is improv and using that to to yeah to uh, sparkle creativity into your work. Yeah, thank you for that. And I I um I really see the value in putting these two areas together. And I I fight for that. Um, even in in the teaching that I do, I have the students do a lot of role playing. And they always groan at me because they're like, oh, you're going to make us stand up and actually do something. But they have to, on the very first day, they have to come up with research questions and they have to pitch these to the group. Mm. And of course, at that point, we haven't really talked about the content yet, but they go with their gut and they understand what is actually a good question. How do I ask a question that someone could answer? And people give feedback. And then later on, when I teach what's called survival analysis, so looking at um, what happens to patients, let's say, over time, um, surviving in with a disease, to teach that, I use an example where all of the students are on the Titanic, and you have people dropping into the water, and they're trying to stay above water and over time. And so we, ex- we explain a really complicated 
well, not super complicated, but a somewhat complicated <laughs> mathematical model and structure using this theatrical example. Mm. And at the end of the year, even if they don't remember the details, they remember, oh yeah, that was that thing where I was on the Titanic and uh, we were trying to model the experience of the people that we lost or that drowned by the individuals who were still remaining. And we're trying to make a conclusion. Um, that's something that sticks in their head. And uh, right. I've gotten a lot of good feedback from that. Of course, it takes a lot of time to come up with examples that make sense and that stick with people. I can't even take credit for the Titanic one. I adapted <laughs> it from a, from a statistician I know. Okay. But having that having that interaction is, I think, something that that people value. Um, and, and whenever I can bring that in also in the grant writing process where we just riff off of each other's ideas mm. and I like to do it verbally. So my, I'm an auditory person anyway. Yeah. And so instead of, you know, brainstorming on a Google doc, I really like to sit down in person and okay, let's, let's yes. And basically whatever suggestions you just gave yeah. and let's get it going. And I know both of you do a lot of trainings with, uh, businesses and mm -hmm. professionals. Mm. And I think we could use so much more of this in research. We have to talk about how we can bring you into our setting oh, as well. Oh, please do. Um, so that's something I think we we don't do well enough in science. Okay. We should do more of. Yeah. And when we start to do it, people really jump on and they, they really uh, jump on board. They really enjoy it. Mm. How, how can focusing on relationships have an impact on conflict? Whether that's, um, this is my idea, this is your idea, we disagree on what the better idea is or who's going to write the grant and who's going to do the thing. Like, How can focusing on relationships, what impact can it have on con conflicts of any kind? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, I would say that when you know a person, you've invested into that relationship, you've built up that trust, you are less likely to do something that uh, could jeopardize the, the trust. And if you have a relatively new or undeveloped relationship, maybe you'll do something a bit stronger that could make that person angry or upset them. Um, if you have this strong foundation, you have this relationship built up, even if you disagree, you're going to be more motivated to work towards a solution. Mm. I mean, I'd like to think we want to do that with everyone, but yeah. of course that relationship we've invested in we don't want to. We don't want to hurt that. We want to foster it. We want to cherish it. We want to help it grow. And so, when a conflict is encountered, I think you're more likely to say, "Hey, this is my teammate. We're on the same side. Let's reorient this discussion about how we can solve the problem together, instead of pinning ourselves against each other um, when confronted with a conflict or a problem." Yeah. Do you feel like focusing on relationships in this sense can sort of maybe decrease the ego a bit? It becomes less about my ideas, me, my thoughts, and becomes more about us? I like I like that way of thinking about it, Blake. I think um, especially in, in science or settings that I've been in, there is that tendency to say, this is my paper, this was my idea. But in the end, it's always a group effort. Yeah, and right. acknowledging mm. those people and saying, look, these are people I know, these are people I care about that I also want to succeed, that we yeah. want to succeed together. We want to cross that line together. I always keep that visual in my mind, crossing the finish line as a group, mm. um, that that's the most rewarding feeling. And not feeling like you're stepping on shoulders of people to get yourself to the top, but that you as a group are rising up. So beautiful. Yeah, wow. it's beautiful. Also, when you do a work which is so meaningful as, you know, like epidemiology, like like just, just helping like for the betterment of humanity, trying to find solutions to problems as huge as diseases, it's 
it feels then weird to just fight each other like that that you guys would fight each other in a politic political way just to get your ideas out there when you're working for betterment of humanity just like all together guys one direction i like this idea of um like the team sort of the, like as you were saying earlier like it's a team effort it's a collective effort and, and and i think everything is isn't it in the end like no matter what you've done you're really you're not alone no matter how alone you think you are you know you've always been inspired by somebody else you've always been you know aided by somebody else somebody was there to give you moral support i mean and i i, I think it's probably especially true in, in in situations like yours where you're working with a team of people and uh and also i think when i think about focusing on relationships the idea of like winning something by yourself it's i don't know that there's the it's sad to celebrate alone you know like there's something really nice when there's something in even the celebration when you've focused on relationships and when you when you recognize the work that other people have done to achieve the objective uh, it's just a, a much nicer feeling overall, I think. And you want to see your scene partner succeed in the scene. Yeah. And mm. and if you're in a relationship, you know, also outside off the stage, you don't want to leave them hanging. Yeah. And and that's something that um, both I think really shows. If you get to know the people, you don't want to watch watch them crash and burn. You're going to give that support. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And I I I love that about improv, and I I feel very full even on days when. You know, you have ugh, everything goes wrong. You come to that that safe space. You have this team. You say, okay, we all support each other. You can leave all your problems at the door, so to say. Of course, you still may have a few things uh, um, banging around in your head, bothering you. But on that stage, these are my people. These are people who are going to lift me up, who are going to make me look good. Uh, another topic I know you have in your in your. Uh, in your book or your the improv manifesto manifesto my gosh i can't believe i forgot the name um that's that's really important uh before we close the topic on focusing on relationships do you have any like suggestions for how people can focus on relationships it can be quite difficult when you're in the middle of a conflict when there's something that's not working well when there's stress when there's an outside pressure uh that you start to think about we got to get this grant done we got to earn this money we have to get this you know this peer review through etc what do you do to, do you have any suggestions for how to focus on that relationship in spite of the pressure of outside things? I think in relationships, a lot of times what matters the most are the small things. And so if you have something that's so huge, so daunting, if you can just take a small step to foster that relationship, maybe that means just bringing your friend a coffee or bringing you know, muffins to the office or saying, hey, let's let's just go take a walk around the block. Those are little investments in that relationship that then multiply and pay off in huge ways for that output that you're going yeah. for. So if you, even in that pressure, and that that is the challenge, is in the heat of the moment, it's hard to take that time to invest yeah. in the relationship, but it provides you then with so many dividends, even ones that you don't know are coming at you, um, if you do take that time. So yes. for me... What I see that also is investing time in myself. So to the self-care aspect that mm. I'm okay. And even in a really stressful phase that I take time to do things that make me feel good because then I know that I'll be a good partner in whatever relationship that is. Yeah. Um, and help those people also take time for themselves. So if you say, hey, you know what? I got your back on this, leave the office early, go to the gym, whatever. If that helps you, then I'm going to cover that for you. That shows, okay, you know what? She cares about me. She cares about our relationship. 
and uh, we can then do this. So whatever little supports you can give, I think, go a long way. Yeah, that's great. And I think just just having that in the back of your mind, like it's, yes, the grant, we need to get the money or yes, the peer review, we need to whatever. But don't, it's not more important than our interaction together because what's the point of winning the grant if by the time we earn the grant, we hate each other, right? Then, right. There, then there's no sense in, in earning the grant. There's no sense in winning the prize if by the end of it, you just don't want to share in the glory uh, with the people that you're working with. And uh, yeah, that's great. So these little tiny investments. Wonderful. And this is something you do, I think, a lot, Blake, in your improv scenes is that you remind people of some some common ground or some, you give them a little gift. If there is a big conflict, I've seen you kind of to resolve it, throw the person a little bone like, hey, come on, come back. Let, let's try to let's try to find this this place where we can both go forward together, and that's that little bit also for the audience where they see ah yeah okay they're gonna get it yeah they're it's a creative way but they're gonna get out of that. Yes. Well, thank you for for noticing. I I wish I could do that more in my own life. I find focusing on relationships <laughs> well, like full disclosure. I find focusing on relationships very 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 challenging. I'm a I'm an extreme perfectionist. I love achieving goals. And I sometimes forget to focus on relationships frequently, as a matter of fact. And I have to remind myself a lot these days, like, hey, it's not important to win whatever win means if you don't want to play with your team by the time you've won the thing. Like, you know, it, it, does, it doesn't make sense. So I think this is a really important topic. And thank you so much for all your wonderful insights on it. Oh, of course. Of course. Uh, let's cut to a, a team meeting um, where we are all talking about where we want to be in five years and how we're going to get there. I mean, the ultimate goal for me is to win a prize, like the middle fields, really. I mean, that would be for me the most amazing thing. Yeah, five years. Okay, so how can we support you, John? I mean, we've got your back. Uh, what can we do to make that happen? Uh, well, frankly, you guys are biologists and I'm working in the field of mathematics. So uh, I don't know if there is that much that you can do on the research level. Mm. How about a drink? I mean, I've got some vodka in the drawer. You want... Oh, I make a, a mean Moscow mule. Is that that Wait. would actually be great. I mean, yeah. that's that's my break. Mm, right. So yeah, I mean, sure. Okay, let me just get the yeah. That you know that movie Shh. Tom with Tom Cruise cocktails. Yeah, that was my favorite film growing up. So I I've, I've learned a thing or two. Check this out. I'm gonna flip it. Woo. Oh my god! Oh, Ooh. amazing, Charlie. That's really good. Wow. There you go. It's All amazing right. we get anything done here. This um, is great. Yeah, that is really cool. I mean, thanks for uh, jumping up to the third floor where the mathematicians are. Like that's really cool, and I'm very impressed that you already know how to use everything in the kitchen and can make cocktails wow yeah and you saw we wore these outfits so the mathematicians wouldn't notice that we're here right yeah. charlie charlie found these uh you know kind of the the baggy baggy pants and the the shirt tucked in in the back like an opposite french tuck mm -hmm. um we got the chalk on our arms so i think we fit in don't you think i have what looks to be a toupee on my head but might be my real hair you can never tell you, you can, can never that's, tell that's the fashion mm -hmm. we're, we're trying to fit in what do you mm -hmm. think yeah I'm, i you look exactly like everyone here really <laughs> it's quite fantastic that's great oh can i just save this mosque mule mm. I don't. Do you put some cinnamon in there? How much closer to you are are you to your Fields Medal now that you, now that you've got that Moscow Mule? Ah, can you uh, quantify that with a number? Yeah, we need a number. Um, square roots of pi um, times three. Well, I'd wow. say we've done our job. That's all the support. <laughs> we have, Charlie. That's all the support you needed. You know where I want to be in five years? Where, Charlie? At your side. Really? I just want to be at your side. I just want to continue work with you and. 
Yeah, we just have a lot of fun together. You're a great, you're a great colleague and boss and friend. So you think we should still work on getting our experiment up on the moon? You think that's worth it? Oh, I mean, you know, you know what's worth it is just that we're working it all together. That's it doesn't, we could be working on getting, I don't know, getting the Fields Medal or uh, uh, winning a cocktail Nobel Prize? competition. You want to go for the Nobel Prize? I, I'll go whatever you want to do. That's where I want to do. That's where I want to go. I want to do what you want to do. <laughs> This is, this is getting tricky. Hey, what are the mathematical odds of us figuring out what we should do together in, if we keep going back and forth like this? Uh, zero. Oh, oh. oh don't be so negative. You mathematicians are so Actually, technically, zero is not a negative number. Um, let me just be honest for a second. I'm starting to be drunk, and I enjoy every time you come here. That's mm-hmm. such a great <laughs> moment. Uh, you guys did not produce any, published any papers for the past year though don't you think that you want to achieve something more like we have achieved something more we don't measure ourselves in published papers no we measure measure ourselves in in smiles per day smiles per day i love that that's a that's actually a rate because it has the time on the bottom smiles per day we can also do smiles per year if you want yeah and i have a graph right here as you can see our smiles per day is exponentially growing we're just getting so much better at smiling it's a sinus functions there oh interesting Mm -hmm. it's it's just all the way up it's it doesn't go down though Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. And so I feel like we're really the most successful uh, people in this lab. How, uh, I mean, I've been measuring and experimenting with all the labs uh, in this university. And frankly, no one has as many smiles per Nobody day as we does. Do. <laughs> and these math folks up here, you know, they've got the frowns per day going on. We, we are turning that <sighs> frown upside down. Yeah, we're turning that frown That's literally true. upside that down. That was our last grant application, actually. <laughs> How to turn the super smiles upside down. Super successful. Yeah. Super successful. We had an intervention. We told jokes. And those frowns Wait popped a minute, right, turned upside right upside down that was why i brought the moscow mule and the vodka i mean you know we're just trying to find a way to turn the math it's an intervention oh it's an intervention and it's an inceptive inter- intervention because they didn't even know what's happening okay, wait a minute so idea. first of all oh, i'm an intervention right now and second wait a minute when did you get the grant for that project when was that um, that was about a year ago. About a year ago. Yeah, where you yeah. said we didn't have any publications. We're rolling in the bucks. Rolling here. in the bucks. We took a long, long trip to um, Bermuda. Uh, to Bermuda, and we just hung out on the beach. We didn't even mm. have a Wait. marker or a whiteboard, and we mm-hmm. sat and we laughed and we laughed. And we you laughed. said, you know, what would be a great project: getting those frowny faced mathematicians to smile a bit. Yeah. November two thousand and eighteen. That's when you went to Bermuda. 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 That's when I submitted my paper and trying to like get some more grants to find we got the research that money. yeah we got yeah, that money you get that money. we got that money because they decided that your Wait mathematical research for the fields medal wasn't as important as getting the entire math department to smile more we we felt in our research you tell them you oh, tell them what yeah. we felt I mean, in our research so we're looking at an indirect effect so by them funding us we then can make you happy and you will be more productive. So indirectly, they funneled the money through us that mm-hmm. you wanted to make your life better. Isn't that great? And this is how we're supporting you to get that Fields Medal you so desperately want exactly. by taking your grant money from you to do research on Guys, you. Guys, isn't that great? <laughs> I've oh, been working that was your for idea. the past Brilliant. four years. <laughs> Listen to me. For the past four years, I've been working on this formula oh, oh, and I frowning. needed he's that frowning. money Don't frown. to Turn that frown upside launch an down. experiment with the certain particular I'm gonna take your shoe off. How about if I tickle your feet? Stop it! All right, that's that's funny. That's funny. That's funny. Wait, I've just seen a light bulb go off over your head. You were laughing so hard, a light bulb went off. What's the idea? Tell us. Quick. I'll write it down. I'll write it down. 
okay, square roots of pi uh, uh, to power n divided by uh, uh, 10 minus... Wait, plus don't say it. Don't say it. We need to capture this moment, this creative epiphany. Mm. You don't know who's in the hall lurking who might hear this, right? It's, it sounds brilliant. Gravity is not a force. Gravity is not space and time. It's beyond. Well, it's there he another is. Just, dimension. That's going to oh be his my research God, for the that's field medal. We did it again. We did, we did it. it again. We did it again. When oh. you tickled me, oh. the, the vibration, the gravitational, I thought about the gravitational waves that are, that are happening and were reflecting my, in my studies. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. that was the answer all of that and time. And those waves this shake is, the ideas. This the is brilliance gonna look, out. This, this is, is going to look so great in our research. We know oh he's going to win the field medal. This. And we're going to publish this. Now we're going to have the publication. How about another round of Moscow Mules? All right. And scene. I like the more positive spin on that one. Great. That was really fun. I have zero idea how to say (laughs) all the mathematics. Yeah, you poor thing. Uh, I was, uh, in, in French, I can go for hours. Like in English, I have no. You clue. you did a great job. Anyone that who was wasn't, anyone I was who, convinced. Anyone who was listening to that was like, "Oh, that's mathematical terms. Great job, yeah, Henry. True. It was great. Numbers. Great. That's numbers. That's <laughs> the real improv. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Good. So we always like to end our show with a little game. Uh, if you if you would be willing to play a little improv game with us, absolutely. Yes? Great. So this is a rhythm game. Uh, Henry Henry suggested we play this one. It's one of my absolute favorites. Uh, it was invented by a friend of mine called Ben Southam, who uh, is the who plays with a, a lot of uh, an improv group here called Roller Coasters. Uh, he's an amazing musician, and he invented this little game called Small Hateful Mom. Is the is the name the official name of the game? And here is how the game works. We're going to count a rhythm. One person is going to say what an adjective, and then everyone will repeat what an adjective. The other the second person will say what an adjective and then everyone will say what an adjective and then the third person will say what a noun and then everyone will say what a noun and then we all say what an adjective adjective noun and then we continue and it just is a rhythm game and it's just about being quick and it's about just keeping the flow going uh would you like to start jess of course okay here we go one two ready go what a dirty what What a dirty dirty. what a shitty what a shitty what a pillow what What a pillow pillow. what a dirty shitty pillow what a high what a high what a cantankerous what a cantankerous what a mom what a mom what a high cantankerous mom what an oblivious what an oblivious what a scary what a scary what a Bed. What, what a bed. bed. What, what an, an oblivious, scary bed. bed. What a planting. What a planting. What a green. What a green. What a ceiling. What, what a, a ceiling. ceiling. What, what a planting green ceiling. What a angry. What an angry. What a toothy. What a toothy. What a man. What a man. What an angry toothy man. What a chivalrous. What a chivalrous. What an academic. What an academic. What a researcher. What a researcher. What a chivalrous academic researcher. Yay. That was good. And we wrapped that up with science at the end of it. It's amazing. Uh, Jess, this is your time to shine. First of all, thank you so much for being with us on the show. This thank was a you. really great thank episode. I really enjoyed the, all the wonderful insights you brought to this topic. Really, really, really great to have you here. Uh, can you, would you like, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Is there anything you'd like to tell the world? Anything you'd like to advertise? Actually, yes. So maybe something different than usual for your podcast, but I run an Epi Methods Colloquium. So if there are any scientists out there who are interested in what we do, or even non-scientists who just want to hear what goes on, you're always welcome to join the first Wednesday of the month at 4 p.m. in Mitte. You can look us up, uh, Berlin Epidemiological Methods Colloquium. We're also on Twitter, BEM Colloquium. 
Uh, you can also find me on Twitter, and I tweet about a lot of science stuff, but also some improv stuff. Okay. And I'm also in comedy shorts. I think you've heard enough about that. But, no, no, we uh, haven't. Oh, you tell you us haven't. more about okay. comedy shorts. Okay, so you can come on the first and third Saturdays of the month to 800A down in Vetting. Mm-hmm. I live in Vetting, so Vetting is great. Uh, come to Vetting, 9 p.m. Uh, first and third Saturday of the month for comedy shorts, or in Neukölln at the fabulous Comedy Cafe Berlin. Rosegeschasse 17. <laughs> exactly. Um, that is at 8 p.m. That's right. On the second and fourth Friday of the month. So exactly. We're doing Amazing. fun stuff. Yeah. Well, Jess, thank you once again so much for being here. Um, I guess that's it for today. I'm Blake. I'm Henry. And we're Henry, Henry and Blake. Blake. Ta-da! I'll see you next time. Bye.